Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday to you all listening to this. For us, it's Tuesday. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. We are continuing our way through the book of Colossians, and this week we made it to verse 9. Yeah, we did. We made it to verse 9 of chapter 1, and this is our fourth week in the book of Colossians. And we talked about priorities. Um, And before we get into the specifics of priorities, I want to ask you, Jason, a question. Thank you for that. Yes, sir. A little timer. Uh, What is something that you have to get done in order for your day to feel completed or accomplished? Like, if this doesn't happen then your day is like basically ruined. This is, you're about to get an insight into my soul, okay? And <laughs> and my vanity, all right? I have to lay out my clothes for the next day. Yeah. Like, because yeah. I like to get up and then, you know, whatever after reading or whatnot, and then get out of the shower, and I don't want to choose. I I, I want that already done. And so, there. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I just like it, man. I That's just great. like it. So, so if that doesn't happen, your day is like... I feel off, man. I feel rushed. Yeah. I feel like, ah, oh, I got to make more decisions. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. That's man. just super cheesy. I don't know. How about you? What's That's a priority? Great. Oh, man. For me, I think when I, when I get home after a long day... Um, if I see something that's like out of place, either in my room or yeah. like on the floor, if I don't pick it up and put it where it goes, like, I mean, this is just I relate to that. Bit. Yeah, like love it. Like uh, my my day, I can ruin my own day. <laughs> I get it. And and I and this is getting us into priorities. Like I like I will literally. There are times where I've I've come home and. I see something. Our kids have music toys that are in a in a box uh, by the entertainment stand in the living room, and nine times out of ten, those are what are strewn across the sure. living room. And if I can't find every piece that goes with the Glockenspiel, yeah. or that go or like the recorders taken apart into like three different pieces and like scattered across the room, and I can't find one, if I can't find it to put it away. I can allow that to ruin my day. I get it. I get it. Everybody's a, got quirks, man. Yeah, for, everybody's yeah, got so, quirks. So that's mine for me, but that's a priority for me. And and the clothes are priority for you. And we said this priority was defined as something that you think is most important and should be done first. Priority is something that you think is more important than someone or something else, and it needs to be taken care of first. Yeah. Um, and we've been learning a lot about our own priorities through this. We talked a little bit about our our, our families and filling ourselves with busyness and all of that. And I'm, I'm for me, I'm learning priority wise. Like I get this this great sense of this false sense of accomplishment. Um, but I, I gratify myself with this sense of accomplishment when I fill myself with busyness, mm, um, yeah. whether it is getting things done in the office or at work or at home or whatever. I use that as the indicator and the measurement for my life in terms of priority to show, hey, you accomplished your priorities today, and now you should feel accomplished. Mm, yeah. And I think there's there's some wrong in there and some correction that needs to be taken care of because it's not just me. I think a lot of us deal with that. And sure. we said priorities can kind of revolve around a couple things. You said, where are your minutes and where are your, where's your money? Yep. Where do you spend your time? Where do you spend your money? And so we talked about priorities, but then we kind of really dove into the context of the passage, and that's the priorities in our prayers, Yeah. Uh, the context of actually praying. That big idea was our priorities in our prayers should be to know God's will 
and to live God's way. Yeah, and and that kind of came from just the summary of verses, you know, <clears throat> 9 through 14. Yeah. The Apostle Paul is praying for the church in Colossae. Yeah. And knowing the context, we talked about, like, Paul's in prison. This is a prison epistle. Right. And so um, whatever he says and whatever he writes about those Christians is probably a priority, probably a pretty big deal. Yeah. And he says, here's what I'm praying for you about. And so when he says that, I just... You know, your ears should perk up. Like, okay, this guy's in prison. Yeah. He's got a lot going on. There's pressure. There's moments happening. What is he praying to God for these Christians about? Yeah. And in the verses you see it's it's to know God's will, yeah. which results in living God's way. Yeah. So yeah. That's really good. I was just thinking, I've never I've never had a prison inmate pray for me. <laughs> right. Right? That's why. I mean, this guy was so busy in prison, bro. Yeah, man. Writing yeah. books of the Bible, making it happen, man. Yeah. No, that's great. And and so we, we broke it down on those two priorities. The first one is knowing God's will. And I love that we're going to be talking about this today. We've I've had the opportunity to preach on this subject a couple of years ago, and it, it, it comes in and out of context in what we're talking about frequently on Sunday mornings at Westside. Like, like we all... What is God's will? Like, yeah, right. like for we first of all, we know God's will was for Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl, right? Yep. <laughs> or at least that's what every team prays right. when they say uh, through through Christ, <laughs> all right. things I can I, do all things. I'm right? just I'm just teasing. Uh, but, but knowing God's will, like uh, if there's one conversation that that saturates the majority of my back and forth between Christians and my entire Christian walk. It has been that phrase, like sure. God's will. I want to be in God's will. Where what's like, even when I moved from North Texas to Northern Colorado in 2008, I was using that language and saying like, well, you know, I really believe it's God's will for me to move, and yeah. and here's where I'm going to go, and all of that. And and looking back, I'm you know, there's probably some correcting and, and some teaching that could have been done that I could have listened to there. But but that's what we kind of engaged in. Paul says Paul says that the the purpose of this is through warning and through teaching. Um, he, he says this in, oh, where is it at? In uh, verse, let's see. Verse 20. Verse 20. Or I'm sorry, verse 28. Him we proclaim warning is. everyone I was looking at and text. teaching everyone yeah. with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For yeah. this reason I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works yeah. in me. Yeah, we proclaim Christ to warn and to teach everyone with all wisdom so that we can be presented mature, mature in our faith. And so... What we're going to be what we're going to be talking about in the context uh, today of of God's will and and knowing His will and then living His way um, is kind of this idea of Gnosticism. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time here, but I do want to talk about this because that was one of the big warnings this sure. week. Was a warning against Gnosticism. Yeah, you had said that Gnosticism is like build a bear theology. Like if you don't know what Gnosticism is, it's essentially just defined as secret knowledge or secret hidden revelation yeah. that comes for for your salvation directly to you from God or from from some person that we deem as holy or whatever. That's Gnosticism. And so can we talk about like the beginnings of that? Can yeah, we talk sure. about the beginnings of Gnosticism and why it's important we know about it? Yeah, and the backdrop for this, like like how we make the jump from God's will to that is Paul uses in the passage twice, he uses the word knowledge. In verse 9, he says knowledge of his will, and then down um, in verse 10, knowledge of God. And Paul uses a particular word for the nerds out there, um, the the normal word in the Greek would be gnosis, which is where we get knowledge from. Um, Paul uses epigenosis, 
And so he changes the word a little bit, and to know the context is important. And so sort of going back to God's will, I would love to just rant for this for a second. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times people talk about God's will, and there's a lot of pressure. So, you know, is this job God's will? Is this house God's will? Is this car God's will? All of that. Most of the time, theologians and scholars break down God's will um, in in sort of three categories. Yeah. The first one is what's called his sovereign will, meaning this is going to happen. And I believe that that is fulfilled in Christ. We see Jesus being um, preordained before the foundations of the earth, the cross. It's these big words like predestination and election, which I believe are mysterious. They're great. They're awesome. But that's God's sovereign will. That's going to get done. Like yeah. there's nothing going to stop. Nothing was going to stop Jesus coming to earth. Nothing. Amen. So that's the sovereign will. Um, the second will is what's called God's moral will. So that's where we see in First Thessalonians, Paul literally says, this is the will of God, right? your sanctification. Yeah. Um, and so that's where we get the idea of living God's way. And God's moral will, surprisingly, you don't even really have to pray about. Right. I mean, it's like, don't gossip, you right. know, don't sexual, sexual sins, like all that type of stuff. And mm-hmm. so the sovereign will, the moral will, and then it gets a little bit more gray into the personal will. Yeah. And um, I'm not so sure that the scriptures teach. Well, I know for a fact that nowhere in you know the New Testament and the Old Testament is there ever a phrase or words together about God's will in a single right. individual for your life. It is always yeah. you know nation driven right. and sort of everything like that. So when it comes to the personal will, I think there's actually a whole lot more freedom in our lives. Yeah than traditionally probably what we grew up with. And the way that I always describe it is a majority of us probably listening grew up with what I call dot theology. Right. So there's this little dot, you know, that's two feet in diameter, and that's God's will. And and I have to stay in this little dot. Yeah. And and I got to make all these micro decisions in order to stay in God's will. Um, I just don't see that in Scripture. I see back in the garden, God giving Adam and Eve a single choice saying, hey, don't eat of that tree, but everything else is for you. Yeah. Which lets me know there was a ton of freedom. Yeah. You know, we said God's permission far outweighs his restriction. Yeah. And so a lot of times when we talk about God's will, it's in the sphere of restriction. Right. And and I just don't think that's good. And the reason why I think this is important, and for those of you listening, is I think there's a ton of pressure. I think there's a ton of fear I think there's a ton of guilt. Yeah. I think there's a ton of shame. I mean, I remember growing up and people who loved me yeah. and had phenomenal intentions, pure intentions, would say statements that would add a ton of pressure of, you know, God, you know, young man, God has a special plan for your life. Right. And I just hope that you can find it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I mean, that's good. And I do believe God has plans for our lives. But man, when you start making that dot real right. small, yeah. it really pressures people. Yeah, the dot was more like the size of the garden. That's yeah. a, you know, yeah. And yeah, then was, God's <clears throat> will ends up becoming a unicorn. Right. Like, man, can I find this thing? Can yeah. I figure this out? So yeah. anyway, just to free people up in no, that that's sense. That's good. And yeah. I, I grew I grew up in in North Texas, and I was a part of of a church um, that I I absolutely love the pastor and his family and all of the relational connections that I made there. And I true I truly loved, came came to faith in that church, 
the Lord saved me in that Amen. church. And I'm so thankful for that. And I loved the extension of love in that church. Now, what I will say is that there there were some workings of, of Gnosticism that were taking place there. Sure. And, and I will say that, like... I, re- I received some some damage myself sure. in, in an environment like that. I specifically remember one time where where we were all sitting down and, and someone had come in and they were like going around the room and sort of like prophesying for individuals in their lives and yeah. stuff like that. And and something was said to to me um, and was prayed over me with with such like authority. Uh, yeah, like yeah, dude, sure. it, was, it was this is going to happen. Right and. It did not happen, and when it did not happen, I was crushed. Absolutely. I, I mean, I put my hope in that prophecy, if, yeah, if, if that's even what we want to call it, false prophecy or whatever. Um, but I love that, and and that's why I love the journey that we're on, that that the will of God and our and our love of Him and, and our love for the Scriptures, it's one that, as Alistair Begg says, the Christian faith is one that engages our minds. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world. We, we probably all know this verse from, like, Bible camp and stuff. Right. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. But that's usually where the T-shirt and the bumper stickers stop. The verse continues, That by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Yes. What is good and acceptable and perfect. He doesn't say he doesn't tell Paul doesn't tell the Romans to sit down and meditate hard and long enough until you get that special revelation of what God's will is. Right. He says, Don't be conformed to the world in the way that it's operating. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That comes from the Holy Spirit and then us diving into the Word of God to see His will. Yes. That in testing, we can discern what is God's will and back it up with His Word. Yes. And so so that knowledge is is important, and having this understanding of, of Gnosticism, I think, is important, getting into, into that, because we can take we can take this idea of knowledge, like we've said in the past, and have the pendulum swing one way or the other. We can we can go full-fledged knowledge and, and have no relationship whatsoever, or we can go full-fledged relationship and emotions and feelings and be guided by them. Yep. And that's sort of where Gnosticism can creep yeah, in. Yeah, sure. And so wh- what are sort of the beginnings of Gnosticism, and, and why is it important that we know about it in the yeah. context of... Yeah, sure. So, so now, you know, we're following <clears throat> along the path of God's will, and Paul yeah. says, you can know it, and I'm praying that you have knowledge about it. Yeah. And he's writing to correct uh, through the report of Epaphras that some false teachers have come into the church. And they said, the way that you get knowledge of God is, is you need this special enlightenment. You need um, this over here. That's where the phrase Build-A-Bear theology comes from. And yeah. so... When it comes to nailing down the origins of Gnosticism, it's a little bit difficult just because through the history of it, most scholars think that it probably came from the Jews who kept mingling with surrounding nations. So the mysticism and pagan theology that went on in Egypt or the Babylonians or this, that, and the other, that somewhere over the centuries, this kept creeping into Judaism. And so then it crosses over even still into the church of Jesus Christ. And we know, obviously, Paul's dealing with it in Colossians. First and sec- First John, Second John, and Third John are primary um, arguments against Gnosticism. Yeah. And so Gnosticism is an umbrella. Think about an umbrella that just has a bunch of stuff underneath it that says you can get knowledge of God in a number of different ways, whether that be different religions, whether that be different experiences, and they always come in the form of what's known as kind of these Gnostic texts. Mm. So in the history of the church, just to nerd out for a minute, around 100 AD, 
the first Gnostic teacher that we see in the church is a guy by the name of Valentinus. And Valentinus was actually a, a, a bishop, a pope um, in Rome. He taught good things and then started teaching Gnostic heresy, special revelation, mysticism. And a lot of this comes from, and this is going to be horrible to say, but, but we see it reveal itself in a licentious life. Because what Gnosticism teaches is, is that all natural order is bad. Yeah. Um, the physical world is bad. Yeah. Your body is bad. So whatever you do with your body is okay. Yeah. And actually, if you engage in certain acts, um, it actually redeems the body. Yeah. And so Gnosticism denies the incarnation hmm. because right. God became flesh. Right. And so they don't even really know what to do with it. Gnosticism also teaches that fulfillment comes from, from within you that you have a spark of divinity. Yeah. Um, now, this is separate from being created in the image and likeness of God. Right. They're teaching that you have divineness in yeah. you, and the world has muted that, has beat you down, all of that negativity, and you need to really, through um, mystical acts, yeah. tap into that. And yeah. when you tap into that, you'll be enlightened. Can we pause there for a second yeah. for looking within? Because yeah. I, I, I think we do what we... I, I think. What I do and what many of us do as believers, we, we look at these like these heresies and we look at these flaws and we think, oh, I know people who do that. But how does how do we allow this to creep into to us as believers? Like yep. we like we look out and we see, oh, I know people who like, you know, believe they need to look within themselves and find something good. How do we lie to ourselves and actually believe this and live like this is true as as a believer? Like what's a practical way that I can look at my life and say, hey, I'm actually trusting in myself right now for fulfillment. Sure. I'm looking into myself. How do we do that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think Paul specifically addresses it because the whole thing is praying and asking God. Yeah. So in verse 9, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. So if you're asking for something, it right. means you don't have it. Right. And so Paul, and what these teachers were saying is, Hey guys, if you really want to get enlightened and if you really want to grow and mature in your walk, man, you got to look within. You got to find this spark of divinity. You need right. to add these teachings. And man, I think one of the worst, most despairing things that you can do to someone is tell them to search within. Hmm. Now, I'm not talking about self reflection. Right. What I mean is salvation, hope. Yeah. All of that. If you send someone off to look within themselves, man, that's a dangerous thing. Yeah. And we as Christians believe that hope comes from outside of us, salvation. Yeah. And so um, Gnosticism teaches a number um, of yeah. those things. And man, when, when you look back through church history and in the New Testament, they dealt with false teaching very seriously, yeah, and they addressed it a lot. And even in preparation for this sermon, one of the things I was so taken back at, and I think I even mentioned it to you, was how much these guys taught to correct false teaching. Yeah, and then when you look at punches were thrown. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you look at that today, we just don't see that type of teaching. We, yeah. we don't see the average. Um, whether it be pastor, whether it be new book, whether it be whatever it is, um, putting that much emphasis on 
you need to believe the right things. Yeah. Uh, because one of the things we say, and you guys have heard us say it a thousand times, is what we believe determines how we behave. Right. And following false teachings fatal. So so to wrap this Gnosticism up, yeah. and, then, yeah. and then we can get to some practical implications. Yeah. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, man. Right. Where the enemy comes and says to the woman, did God really say? Yeah. And then the appeal to go around God is, God's holding out on you. Yeah. And he knows that if you do this, Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, you will be like God. And the heart of Gnosticism is, God doesn't have everything that you need. Mm. You need to go somewhere else to find that fulfillment. And when you do, you can be your own God. Mm. And bro, that's a lie from the pit of hell, man. Yeah. That is a... But listen, if we're honest, yeah, that is so appealing to us, man. Yeah, man. That that's the temptation. Yeah. That's the that's the lie. Well, and it's and it's it's even harder. It's even harder to resist the lie because when we hear when we hear something like following false teaching is fatal, we can tell ourselves like, well, I'm still alive, right? <laughs> like, sure, surely, if you're saying that that these ways of thinking or of, of living are Gnostic, but I've been thinking and living like them my whole life and I'm still alive. So right. how's it fatal? But yep. it's, it's, it's this eternal death. It's not, it's, it's this death of a soul that begins now and goes on for eternity. And that, that, that is separate from the life that Jesus Christ gives us, that yes. the cross gives us. And so that that's good. That's, that's wisdom. I think we have um, in the context of, of prayer, we have some practical principles for prayer that I want to that I want to yeah. clo- I want to close with. Okay, great. So so I want to get to I want to get to that a little bit a little bit later in terms of practical principles. But the second priority that we got to in our in our lives were our priorities in prayer was was living God's way. Yep. So we've seen that priority one is knowing God's will. That it's not this small dot. God's permission far outweighs His restriction. That His will is in His word. And the second one is that it's living God's way. Yeah. So God, and we said this: God's will is simply that you live God's way, as revealed in God's word, by God's Spirit. That's it, man. Yeah, God, God's <laughs> Any will. Questions? Is you, li- you live His way of what you see in His Word as is revealed to you and helped in you in you by God's Spirit and. I, I love that definition. Yeah, it's man. a it's 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 a little bit of a sentence, but man, it is packed it's full Charles of Dickens truth. sentence. It's you know, true, it's packed full of truth and good news. Yeah, it's good news because it's not about you, right? It's not something that comes from within you. Yes, yeah, yes. It yeah. is God's revealed word in the written word, yeah. and obviously that we see most revealed in the life of Jesus. Amen. But then. You know, actually, when I was writing that sentence, and I've used it before, um, one of the things that I left out but that I added was by God's Spirit yeah. in the end. Um, and, and I'll just full cards on the table. You know, I come, my theology comes from a tradition that sometimes leans Father, Son, and Holy Bible, mm. not Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so um, I always need to be reminded that God has made no provision for the Christian life apart from his spirit. Amen. And so I think, you know, one of the great temptations for Westside or even in my teaching is because being Bible-centric and of the letter and study and theology, most of the time there's a drift from the spirit. Yeah. Just as the same as if you come from a healthy background with an emphasis on the spirit, 
um, you know, there's a ditch on either side of the road. So yeah. I added that in, and and I think it's just massively important because, again, it centers on God. Yeah. You know? That's so, good, man. Yeah, for sure. That's good. Well, in verses 10, 11, and 12 of Colossians chapter 1, we sort of get the boots on the ground of how to live God's way, or at least this is how Paul is praying for the church in Colossae of how they should live. Uh, I'll start in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And here it is in verse 10, 11, and 12. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And here's verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And then verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance in the saints of light. Yes. We have, we have five things that are listed here for us that, that were drawn from the text, and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about it, what a worthy walk with Jesus looks like, what taking this, this will of God from his word and living his way by his spirit, what that actually looks like. And the first thing that you broke down for us in verse 10a was that it is fruitful, yeah. that it's fruitful. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit, bearing fruit. What does a fruitful walk look like? I mean, I, I, I know that, again, we can, we can throw Christianese and, and sure. term around. Maybe someone's listening and they're like, I don't know what that means. What, yeah. What's a fruitful life in Christ look like? What does yeah. Paul mean here? I think, to, to state it very simply, a, a Christian life that is bearing fruit is growing in its resemblance of the life of Jesus Christ. Mm. And what I mean specifically is your love towards God and your love towards people, yeah. right? That is that is a fruitful life. Anybody, um, you know, one of the things that we said a, a saint is a couple weeks back, yeah. I love William Barclay's definition, a saint is someone who makes it easy to believe in God. Yeah. That's a fruitful The way life. they live. The way they live. Yeah. And and specifically when I see Jesus dealing with people, man, I am I'm just more compelled by Jesus now, I think, than I ever have been in my life, especially in today's culture and climate. Mm. Um, and so I think a fruitful life is a life that is growing in resemblance to the life of Jesus Christ. There's yeah. evidence. Not perfection, man, but I'm talking a deep love, like just I received a gift. It was a book from somebody, and it was just one of my friends. But this friend has sent me books in the past, and I just thought, man, this person's so gracious and generous. Mm. You know, I just thought, and I sent him a message. I was like, man, you're just such a generous person. That's a fruitful life, man. That's yeah. that's somebody who's doing that stuff. Yeah. So, so, yeah, man, it's somebody who's growing and looking like Jesus. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, Paul says. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, um, the the spirit of the fruit. I'm sorry, the fruit of the spirit. Yes, <laughs> I can't talk this spirit morning. Spirit of the fruit, baby. Half a cup of coffee. We got a half more to go. Um, <laughs> the the fruit of the spirit that they're all intertwined together: uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. And he says that you can live a life in anywhere in the world, and against these things. 
No one's going to have a problem. There's, there's, no there's not going to be no. any law that yes. is written against these things. And that is the fruit that comes from living our lives in conjunction with God's word and by his spirit. Yes. And that is part of our worthy walk. The second thing that we saw is that it's worshipful. It's worshipful. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Yeah. Increasing in the knowledge of God. We've talked about this a, a few times. Well, here, you sound like you're about to say something. No, I was just saying the reason why, I mean, when you first look at that, at the back end of that verse, increasing in the knowledge of God, and then you say it's worshipful. Right. The reason why we, we we labeled it that is because the phrase increasing in knowledge means continually. It's yeah. it's a present imperative. It means that it's constantly happening. Yeah. And if that's constantly happening, it's like a relationship. Right. That when when more things are revealed about this God. Right. Um, I'm not just knowing just to know, but it makes me pursue him right. more yeah. in that sense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that we, we've used the language to think rightly and to feel deeply. Yeah. Um, there's a podcast out there called Doxology Theology, um, and that's essentially the, 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 uh, the same the same linear thought process of thinking that that doxology is just the worship of God and theology is the study of God. The more that I study and know and and increase in my knowledge of God, the more that I continue to want to love and know yes. Him more. Yes, that's that's think rightly. I think rightly, and then I feel more deeply about this God that I love, and so I want to know more about Him and think more rightly about Him. Yeah, and that and that's sort of how we we construct and order our worship gatherings at Westside on Sunday mornings. Yeah, man. Like, like we always start with with we want to we want to hold high our our view of God and thinking of him rightly. So after we welcome everybody, we always start with God's word. We declare a truth about who God yep. is and what he has done, and then we invite people to sing and to lift our voices. And, and the reason why is we say and even when we look at the storyline of the scriptures, is that God speaks first. Yeah. That amen. worship is a response to revelation. Yep. And 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 this is a general truth that when something's revealed, um, you know, at a concert, when the artist steps on stage and is revealed, there's a response. Right. People cheer, people yeah. scream. And so worship's a response to revelation, yep. but through the word of God and the work of Christ. Amen. And so, yeah, man, it starts with God. We respond to what God's already said. Yeah, amen, amen. And then we move on to verse 11, what's a worthy walk looks like. It is faithful. Yes. It is faithful, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, being strengthened. I love that you talked a little bit about, about those words, endurance and patience. Yep. But, um, and those have directly to do with, with faithfulness, like this longevity. Eugene Peterson has this book called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Oh, man. And, and the faithfulness of a life that, that, that knows God well and loves him and responds in that for, for an entire life. That's faithfulness. Yes. That's endurance, and yeah. that involves patience. Talk a little bit about, about endurance and patience. I know you said endurance had to do with, with uh, your circumstances. I said endurance environment and then patience people. Yeah, your endurance absolutely. has to do with your Love environment, it. and then patience has to do with, with people. Break that down a little bit more. Like, like what is a faithful life in terms of endurance throughout my life as a Christian walk like? For example, someone who's been married been married for ten years to my wife. We've got yeah. two kids and one on the way. I feel like, you know, 
10 years is a good run. Like right. there's some Amen. endurance there, but like, is there ever a time for when, when somebody's super frustrated or by the way, my wife and I are doing great. <laughs> this is not indicative of our relationship, but I'm painting a picture here. Like what if someone who's been married for 15 years says, you know, I'm done with this. I'm, yeah. I'm done with endurance. I've done all that I can. What does a faithful walk look like yeah. in light of a circumstance like that? Well, Paul is saying that in that very moment when you want to bail is when the power will be most available to you. Mm, And so the word endurance does mean circumstances. So whether that's suffering, whether that's sickness, I mean, I mean, whether, I mean, that's persecution, no matter what's going on. And then patience deals with relationships with people. And, and those two things combined are powerful when it comes to faithfulness. And I think faithfulness in a culture of fickleness stands out big time. Yeah. I have uh, I've said this many times, but I'm very interested now in the long game. Yeah. And when I see all these exhortations in the New Testament of don't give up, keep running the race. Yeah. Keep doing this because the reality is a lot of people start. Yeah. A lot of people start. Mm-hmm. Um and not a lot of people finish. And Jesus actually said um, the broad way, the way that everybody wants to go is the way to destruction. Mm. But the way uh, of the kingdom is a narrow path and few find it. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm just finding that out more and more and more. So if you're listening to this and you're feeling your circumstances, you're feeling those relationships and the eject button looks so tempting all my encouragement to you is is ask God for that endurance and that patience. Yeah. Because what Paul is saying is is in that very moment is when that power is available to yeah. you. Yeah. And again, that's not going to come from within ourselves. Like yeah. Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it?" There are other translations that say it's desperately sick. Yep. Or wicked, um, and who can understand it? So that faithfulness is not something that will that will come from a spark that is inside of us. It is just as you said. We pray and we ask for it, and God is faithful yep. to deliver that to us. Um, one of the things that we also said is that it's joyful. Yeah, um, it's pretty we, important. Yeah, it's it's a uh, endurance and patience without joy is just anger. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's yeah. bitter. It can be bitterness. Yeah, like, man, it's just gritting your teeth and bearing it. Right. You know? Yeah, I know a lot. I mean, there are a lot of angry people right now. A lot of angry people, Uh, Christians, non-Christians, politicians, musicians, artists. There are so many people who are angry and know so much for what they are against and know know exactly what it is that they detest and what they want to confront and be in conflict against. But not a lot of people celebrate what they're for. Sure. It's not like... You know, we've been married for 40 years and you're saying that with clenched fists going, (laughs) and we're never getting a divorce. You know, it's not, he says, endurance and patience with joy. Yeah, man. With joy. Yeah. And for me, that was, that's just a word, man. Yeah. You know, just my word for for the year is attitude Mm. and and joyfulness is is an attitude it's an emotion that's good and so it's not just about doing the job and getting results but it's doing it with joyfulness and so if you're listening to this man if you're a mom if you're a dad it's not just about parenting your kids and getting them to obey you and there not being any problems that day it's about enjoying your kids, not just yeah. enduring your kids. Whew, that's a that's a good I mean, word. Man. It's not just about enduring your relationships. It's about enjoying them. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the reason and how we can do that, 
Paul tells us, which is the last thing, right. which is number five, yeah. is thankfulness. Yeah, man. I mean, he says, with joy, giving thanks. And yeah. I didn't, I mean, I've known this, but for some reason, connecting the dots on this one was like, I mean, he just says it. He says, endurance and patience with joy. Yeah. Giving thanks. And so if you don't have joy in your life, yeah, I challenge you if you're listening to this, blank piece of paper and start thanking God for what you have. Yeah, man. Because oftentimes we're comparing or complaining about what we don't have. Yeah. Um, and that's really easy to do in situations that are requiring endurance and patience. Yeah. Um, but rather what, what Paul is saying is thank God, start thanking God. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I've been doing when I pray with the kids at night since the cold weather, um, I'm just reminding them, you know, I say, God, thank you for this cozy bed. Yeah. You know, in this warm house. Yeah, man. Just reminding them. Yeah. Like, hey, this isn't. I mean, it is normal, but it's not normal. Like, right. like we're blessed. We Amen. have a we have a warm home tonight, and um, I'm I'm starting to see the realization of, oh yeah, and especially in Andy Grace, who has just such a sweetheart. <laughs> we pray, God, in, you know, anybody that doesn't have a warm home, that you would be with them, but also that we would be a help to them. Yeah. And if there's anything that we can do for them, and yeah. the other night, Andy Grace just said. There's really kids that don't have a warm home. Mm. And I just thought, oh, man, you know, it's my job as a parent to um, show the reality of some things. And, yeah. and may that create thankfulness in her heart yeah, of man. what we have in yeah. that sense. And so, compassion. I think yes. the, I think the one of the key importances there is the direction of our thankfulness and the direction. Like, like yes, the joy is in our circumstances. Like, for all endurance and patience in your circumstances and with people, yep. you are going to have joy in that. That's what I'm praying for you. But also that you would give thanks to the Father. And I think our the, the, the illustration of joy and what he's praying for them there with joy— on illustration, it's actually just in the text. What's there with joy and thankfulness is is indicative of our relationship with Jesus. Yes. Like, like there are a lot of angry angry Christians out there. Like, yeah. I love how you say it. Sometimes you're like, some of y'all love Jesus. Well, why are you so mad about yes. it? Like, like you've been baptized in lemon juice yes. or something like that. Yes. Like, like there's some truth to that, man. Yeah. Like, like yes, we can have joy in our lives, but do we do we really think about the goodness of God? That he would love, he would love the world so much that he would give his only son. Do we really think about the blessings and the good gifts that our Father gives to us? That when we ask him for good things, he doesn't give us bad things. Yeah, man. When we think about those things, does does it give us joy? Does it fill our hearts with thankfulness to God? Yes, the Father, and, man. Yeah, and our relationships with Him, that He doesn't identify with us as some, as some dictator and, and, and some micromanager who's in the midst of like all the inner workings of our lives and making sure that we, whatever we do wrong, he's, t- he's writing it down in His book and ready to throw that bolt of lightning. Like, like yes, God is omniscient and omnipresent. He's all-knowing and he's, and he's everywhere. But this relationship that He defines with us, that Jesus clarifies for us, is that God is our Father. Yes. That should give us joy. Yes. I think Tim Keller says there's no one, the, the only person who has the right to wake up a king in the middle of the night is his son when he's asking for a glass of water. Right. Like, like that's that connection and that access that we have. That should bring us joy and that should spur us with thankfulness. Absolutely. And, and to circle back, I want to circle back around to, in, in light of what you're saying about giving thanks and pursuing the Father. Yeah. He says, because in the three words that stuck out in the text was, He's qualified you, yeah, man. he's delivered you, he's transferred you, just yeah. these words. And again, 
Paul is writing to correct yeah. this Gnostic teaching. Right. And again, the temptation in Gnosticism is Jesus isn't enough. Right. Now, we think that's an old church heresy, mm-hmm. and we think Paul dealt with that. Jason, how's that relevant to my life yeah. now? Well, I mean, we see this modern day. Yeah. Okay. So, like the the real Hollywood examples, Here like the, we go. is the Da Vinci Code. Okay. <laughs> You know, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. I mean, when that came out, it was like, ooh. And I'm like, guys, it's in the fiction section. <laughs> I mean, people would send me that, and I would send them Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Like, that, that's in the same area, okay? But, you know, the Da Vinci Codes, this secret Jesus was with Mary Magdalene and actually had a baby, and there's all... I mean, it's just crazy stuff. And by the way, just so we can have some foundation, these Gnostic Gospels, like the Gospel of Thomas and Mary, from a textual criticism, which is the academic term, don't even stand up. Mm. I mean, they're hundreds of years later yeah. than the Gospels that we have, some of them almost a thousand years later, mm. which is just, you know, insane. Yeah. The Secret, that's a super famous one. I mean, bro, that teaches like, look within, right. you know, do all of that stuff. Um and then one, you know, talking with my wife and preparing for this. And, and, and listen, we say these things just like Paul said. We teach and we warn. Yeah. Um, we're not angry about it. Right. But when God says don't, going off what you said, he's a loving father. Yeah. And I heard a preacher saying, I'll never forget, when God says don't, he means don't hurt yourself. Yeah. When I tell Piper Graham, baby girl jumping off the couch like that, don't. Yeah. D- don't hurt yourself. So what we're saying about these things is we're not having a book burning, right. and we're not we're just saying yeah. don't hurt yourself, right? But bro, this is creeping into the church, yeah, um, and it's even coming in forms of very popular books such as like "Girl, Wash Your Face," yeah, and I mean by Rachel Hollis, I mean this book is about you. Yeah. I mean, it's make no mistake. It's this book is about you. I mean, that's one of the things that she says in the book, and. You know, one of the things Paul says is to know God's will is to live God's way. Then he talks about a fruitful life. Yeah. And he's, a lot of scholars think he's comparing and contrasting the lives of Gnostic teachers and faithful Christians. And um, I say this with a grievous heart. I don't say this judgmental or anything. But, um, you know, Rachel's, since the book has come out, has been divorced from her husband, um, messing around with crystals and some stuff like that. And I say that sad. I say that sad because here's a woman who had a profound impact upon the church of Jesus Christ, and women listened to her and could follow, um, would follow her and did follow her. And um, there was error there, man. And I'm sure her life is showing some wreckage of that. And and I pray that there's a coming back, I think, to Jesus and the truth and some things like that. She's come out and affirmed some other things. But I say all that to say this. Just because it's in a Christian bookstore doesn't mean it's Christian. Yeah. And we as Christians need to be on guard about this stuff. Again, please don't misunderstand me if you're listening to this, thinking we're going to have a book burning or this, that, and the other. Right. Hey, listen, if you disagree with what I'm saying, please write in. Write into the podcast, info at westsidepb.org. Yeah. We would love to carry a conversation with you yeah. um, as to why we're saying these things. But again, this is coming from modern-day avenues. And again, here's another one that I think we'll probably get a ton of emails on. <laughs> but listen, man, this QAnon stuff, that's coming into the church of Jesus Christ um, is probably the most... I said this from the pulpit. Pastoring these past 18 months have been 
by far the hardest ever in my years of pastoring. Mm. Having to pastor people on both sides of the aisle. Yeah. West Side will be a, div- a diverse church, man. Amen. We have people that were pro-Trump. We had people that voted for Trump twice, and we had people that didn't vote for Trump twice. Yeah. And everybody's welcome, and we're going to come, and we're going to be a part, and we're yeah, going to be man. a kingdom-minded church. But this secret knowledge of QAnon and, and this salvation through a certain administration is something like I've never seen before, man. Yeah. And it's sprinkled with what what makes this false teaching so dangerous is that it's sprinkled with a little bit of Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, let's get real controversial here. Before the guys went in through violence yeah. in the insurrection of the Capitol, they prayed. And they prayed there on the house floor. I mean, listen, Jesus said... My kingdom is not of this world yeah. because if it was, it would have been taken by force, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. I mean, he said that to Pilate. Right. And so um, I think that, and, and then the other side of the aisle, if, if, if you're f- not offended by that, this idea of wokeness, yeah. you know, now we can talk, I believe um, the issue of, of racism in the church of Jesus Christ is a very real thing. Yeah, I think it's a lot more predominant than what we're giving credit to. And by the way, we stand that that is a grievous sin that yeah. will not be tolerated yeah, in the man. church of Jesus Christ. Um, we worship a brown skinned man from the Middle East. Yeah. Like I just, I don't even have time for it. Man. I, <laughs> my, blood, my blood's boiling now, but there's a ditch on either side of the road. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Gnosticism in that sense says, well, you can't even talk about race because you don't even, you know, you're you're just intersectionality and yeah. then all this other stuff. You've got to get this secret. You got to get woke. Yeah. You just don't know yet. You just yeah. and you what you need to do is it's not really the Bible. You need to go to this other stuff. And and again, the temptation in Gnosticism is that God, all of God, is not all I need. Yeah. And it's to go somewhere else. Mm. And and listen, it's prelevant today. Yeah. I mean, it's in. So again, if you've got any questions about kind of what we're dialoguing about, yeah, I, yeah. I know it's kind of heavy. I know this isn't my normal it's MO. It's real life, man. But It's real life. Yeah. This is what's absolutely. taking place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thank you for for bringing to light those things. I know, I know that... Uh, it's a difficult conversation, but we want to talk about the hard things because the hard things are the real things. Yes, that's what we're dealing um, with in our lives. Yeah, guys, man. You know? Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, a worthy walk looks looks like it's fruitful, it's worshipful, it's faithful, it's joyful, and it's thankful. Um, we've seen those two things. We've seen we've seen the priorities in our prayer lives are consistent of, of two things: knowing God's will and living God's way. Amen. And um, with the with the context being within um, a prayer, uh, within within this prayer that that Paul is paying, praying for the people at Colossae, I want to get into those those practical principles that we talked about um, earlier. The practical principles for prayer, like what are some actual practical ways? Like maybe you're saying like, hey, I've I, I grew up and I heard my my parents or my grandparents pray. No one's ever really taught me how to pray. Sure. I think I may know the Lord's Prayer or some bits and pieces of it. Like, how do I get good at praying? Or yeah. how do I just connect with God? And we have some principles for prayer. And so they all start with, like, find. Like, fi- first, the first one is this. You, yeah. need, you need to find a time. Absolutely. Find a time. Yeah, go ahead. And I think coming back, I mean, it's... When the disciples looked at Jesus, 
um, they said, Lord, teach us to right. pray. I mean, yes, it's not, it is not natural. And so I think there's some disciplines that we have to incorporate, but I love what um, Richard Foster says, the celebration of disciplines, delightful disciplines. And, and I think finding a time. I yeah. mean, it's not about this idea of intensity. Yeah. I think it's about consistency. Yeah. I think that is just the word, and this, that actually came from the book Atomic Habits, and it had nothing to do with prayer. It's not even a Christian book, but it's just about successful people and their habits and this, that, and the other. But one of the things he says in the book is we think intensity is key, going to the gym two days a week and just throwing the plates up and just <laughs> blowing it out. And the reality is is probably five days a week consistently yeah. is much more powerful yeah. than going in and doing your heaviest in that sense. So yeah, man, find a time. When's, when's a good time for you? When do you find yeah, those man. times? Good time for me is first is first thing in the morning when I'm getting ready. Um, and a good time for me is also, I do my reading plans and stuff. I have a chair. That's also my place. Yeah, I have good. a chair that's next to our, our uh, bookshelf in the living room. And I just pop on the little light that sits over there, and I spend time in, good. in my Bible and prayer in there in the morning and at night. So it's good. Um, it's really I, I'd good. like to. I know last year, um, just around this time last year, beginning of the year, I was kind of entertaining the idea of like pausing in the middle of my day. Um, I know we had talked about this, and yep. maybe keeping a copy of like the Valley of Vision or something on my desk, and and uh, I want to include that. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna try that this week. Yeah, middle of the day, good. pause and do midday that. prayer, man. Come back and report. So good. what about you? What's a good time for you? I'm a morning guy. Yeah. My, I mean, just at my best part of the day is 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 before 10 a.m. most yeah. of the time. Um, and so yeah, I'm a morning guy. Really enjoying the times though. Now this comes to find a place and come into consistency. When I take the two older kids to school, yeah. we've got the length of Township Line. Yeah. And so as we drive, we keep a Bible in the car. Andy's learning to read, and Roman and Andy will rotate reading. And dude, sometimes it's like four words. Right. I mean, it's not, yeah. there's no, you know, <laughs> Jesus doesn't show up in the car, guys. You know, it's, <laughs> They're not reciting the high priestly right, prayer. Right, <laughs> yeah. And so they'll read, but then we always pray. And yeah. I've just found it's so funny because I'm, you know, in my mind, like, got to do this for the kids, got to do this for the kids. And I'm like, this for me. Right. I mean, this is good stuff. Yeah. And so um, I'm finding that to be really helpful with the kiddos. That's good. For sure, man. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So so we've got find a time, find a place, um, a place and time kind of good for, for you and the vehicle and, yeah. and, and with the kids. I yeah. think a good place um, for us, we, we do we do it with our, we read and pray with our kids. This is getting into find your Bible. Um, we, we have, my wife and I obviously have our own Bibles, but we have um, we have the, the, I think it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. The It's All About Jesus Bible yep. and the Gospel Illustrated Bible. Yep. Um, and I think all of those are crossway, um, but they are excellent. And and that last one, uh, the, I think it's the Gospel Illustrated Bible. I have to look it up, um, the actual name of it. But it has it has large illustrations and 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 verse by verse, basically the stories of the Bible. We sit down and we do that with the kids, and then we pray. We pray individually. Uh, for each of our kids and each other, and then we pray as a whole, and then we pray the Lord's Prayer. That's great. And, and I, I found early on, man, like, I mean, we were trying to set in a rhythm there, and, I mean, we've got a three-and-a-half-year-old. Sure. One-and-a-half-year-old. It's just reality. Like, yeah, bro. reality is, like, I just want you guys to know, like, Jesse and Ethan aren't sitting Indian-style, like, on the... I th- you probably can't even say that. I I shouldn't say that. Sitting with their legs crossed, yeah. sitting yeah. with their legs crossed on the floor in their bedrooms, like with their hands in their lap, um, like as we're. Oh man, like right. Je- like Jesse's pulling other books off the bookshelf, and Ethan's throwing like 
plastic spatulas across the room. Yes. And, but we're just trying to get them engaged with it. And we found that like enduring in that and being patient yes. in that is helpful. Yes. Um, it's good. So so that's our place. Um, apart from my chair, personally, for me, it's our kids' bedrooms yeah. at night. Um, and then find your Bible, obviously. Why is it important that we have our Bibles when we pray, man? Man, I think prayer at the very elementary definition is a conversation with God. Yeah. And God has spoken to us in His Word. And yeah. so prayer um, is responding, it's listening, it's yeah. being quiet, it's all of those things. Yeah. And, and I think that's the diving board into... God speaking to us and the Bible's like the diving board into the pool of prayer. Yeah. And so, you know, this idea of come up with your own words and spontaneous and yes, that's good and that's great, but yeah. I don't know, man. You know, I, I I think we've been given quite a bit of words just like when a child is learning to talk, you say use your words. Right. Um, God has given us his word. And so when we pray, we can use his words. Yeah. So no. that's good. There's a book that you gave me um uh, in the midst of sermon prep, um, it was called Pray, Praying the Bible. Yeah. Um, it's a short little, like, 50, 60 pages. Um, yep. Super helpful. If you guys could find that or pick that up, you say, I don't know what to pray. Maybe I could just read through and pray the scriptures. This is a wonderful resource that you can use to help aid you in that. Um, and then a second to, I'm sorry, third to last, um, find a partner. Yep. Find a prayer partner. What are some places and some avenues at Westside that we could offer people a partner in prayer, yep. something like I don't know, West Side women right. or West Side men. Come on, yeah, like community Monday, groups. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mon- Monday nights at was it six or six thirty for women? Six thirty for, Mon- for the yeah, men and women. For women yeah. and women. When Monday nights for West Side women. If you need somebody that you can pray with, like maybe you're not married, maybe you don't have kids, maybe you're single, and you want to come to a place and get around other women who love Jesus, and you want a prayer partner, ladies, come to West Side women. Yes, men, Wednesday nights. Uh, for both categories, ages 16 and up, if you are looking for somebody who you want, who you can just pray with and be honest with, and come to know and grow in the, your love in Jesus with, and I come think to it, West Side women. And I West think Side there's men. a note, man, to to say that when we see in the scriptures, I mean, Paul says, and from the day we heard. We have not ceased to pray. Yeah. When Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father. Yeah. Despite Western American evangelicalism. Yeah. Prayer is surprisingly way more corporate and public yeah. than in the scriptures yeah. than we think it is private. Yeah, I mean, just it, it's just huge. And yeah. so I think finding that partner is a big deal. And, yeah. and one of the things I said, I think this is a great way to strengthen your relationships and deepen them. You can yeah. find out more about a person in five minutes of prayer yeah. than you can going to the same church with them for five years. That's good. You just can. That's good. Yeah, and if you are married, your prayer partner is your wife and your kids, man. Yes. Like, husbands, pray with your wives yep. and pray with your kids and sit down with them. And the second to last is make a list. Find a list. Yep. Um, make a list. We've had some cool applications come from that. Um, uh, a, a dear church family member that, that we laid to rest uh, last week, a couple weeks ago, uh, had a prayer list in the front of her Bible and her family Notebook and her friends. filled yeah, with names, Filled man. with names. Um, so great. Make a list. And, and, yeah. and that also comes from, Paul says, since we have heard of you. Right. And then later on, he's writing these letters, and he talks about the, the daily pressure of all the churches. I mean, yeah. Paul absolutely had you know, a quote-unquote prayer list of, yeah. of names. And one of the reasons why this is also important, too, is because then you track the answer prayer. Yeah. Um, I haven't done this, but I heard Pastor Craig Rochelle, there is a journal out there that is a five-year journal. Hmm. So every page 
as five blocks on it, you know, yeah. with with a few lines. And the goal is is you just jot down, you know, your prayers of that day. But as the years go, year three, you're on that page and you look up and you're like, whoa, three years ago. Oh, so each page is a block for a year. Yes. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. So yeah. you're back to that page from three years on ago. On the same page, gotcha. there's five blocks, That's five cool. rows. And so literally you have this book for like five years. Yeah. And so when you're three years in, you go, man, three years ago on February 10th. Yeah. Gosh, I was praying about those chemo treatments and I'm done with chemo. Like, yeah. it's just a really cool way to do that. That's so cool. You can look it up. It's a five-year um, journal yeah. and, and, and look that up. So Very it's really cool. cool. Very yeah. cool. Awesome way to make a list. And the last one, just pray. Pray, man. You just, just do it. Pray. <laughs> get yes, the Nike swoosh on with your prayers. Just get down there and pray. Yes, we learn how to pray by praying. Yeah, man. Do it. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, I think it would be uh, remiss of us if we did not close out our podcast today in prayer. Amen. Um, so I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we will close out with a reading from Hebrews chapter 13, which is also sort of a prayer, as the writer of Hebrews writes writes to them. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your good news. Yes. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he lived the life that we could not live, that he died the death that we should have, and he rose again on the third day and ascended to be seated at the right hand of you, God our Father. Remind us of this good news as we move about day by day. God, grant us endurance and patience with your spirit alive inside of us. Help us to pray and to cry out to you rather than crying out and looking into ourselves. Remind us that you are our source. Remind us that apart from you, we can do nothing. We love you and we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Any final closing thoughts for Yeah, I would just today? encourage anybody listening, hey, I know we covered a lot of stuff and the Gnosticism thing kind of heavy on some stuff. Please, if you've got any questions, I, I mean, we would love to dive in more. If, if you're like, hey, what about this? How does this relate to this? Yeah. Please um, send us an email, info at westsidepb.org, and would love to carry on the conversation. Yeah. We won't blast you by name or, right. or, or sort of anything like that, but... Um, I know this is some heavy stuff, so please, yeah. we just want to be helpful. Yeah. want to be clear and want to be helpful. Yeah. So, yeah, man, that's yeah. it. Even if it rubbed you the wrong way, even if you're irritated and you want to tell us about why it irritated you or, sure. you, or you struggled with it, reach reach out. I mean, don't send us hate mail. Goodness, it's a safe place. Well, send Tyler hate mail. <laughs> yeah, send it yes. to me. You can, yes. yeah. uh, you can send me hate mail at Jason G. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us again for the rest of the sermon. I think this was week seven or something like yep. that. Week seven or eight. Incredible. Um, yeah, thanks again for joining us. Uh, you can you can visit us and find out more about us and Westside at westsidepb.org. If you want to join us, we have gatherings in person at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and you can join us on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. as well. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 through 21 says this, Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Mm. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Amen. As always, we love you guys. Thank you so much for joining us at the rest of the sermon. And as always, may everything that we say and that we do be all about Jesus.